Welcome to the FOI Equip podcast, your free resource for learning and engaging with the scriptures from a Jewish perspective. Hi, everybody. I'm Chris Katolka. You know, the scriptures tell the story of God's chosen people and his plan to bring salvation to the whole world through Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. Come see why it matters that God would choose an ancient people to bring a timeless hope to a lost and broken world. Now, listen, I want to encourage you to go to foiequip.org to sign up to be on our mailing list. You're going to receive vital information on how you can join our free live online FOI Equip classes. Now get ready. Join our expert staff on the FOI Equip podcast as we teach the scriptures, unravel the colorful world of Jewish culture and customs, reveal God's prophetic plan, and so much more. Now enjoy this teaching from FOI Equip. All righty. Well, shalom, everybody. It's an honor and a privilege to be here with you and to share on this topic concerning the Sabbath, okay? Uh, now, we'll probably use the term Sabbath or Shabbat. It's the same term. It just depends on how I say it and how it may come out in the uh, outline that we have here. But the uh, So we're going to be dealing with this here. Let me see. The study of the Sabbath, okay? I'll have some images or some pictures, and I'll draw attention to it, but it's just sort of to add some imagery with the uh, with the wording and things like that here. All right. So first of all, I want to start off by uh, saying that uh, that place that we just saw is the traditional Mount of Moses, Jabu Musa. And uh, there's yours truly many years back. And I can say that I climbed it. It's 7,498 feet up. I climbed it. I had a, uh, I made it. And many did not, but uh, I had a, a, a strong motivation. I really wanted to get up there because I wanted to read out loud the 10 words. In Hebrew, it's referred to as the Azara HaDavarim, the 10 words, or commonly known as the 10 commandments. Yeah, I wanted to read it, but I also wanted to do it in the voice of my favorite actor, my favorite actor. Charlton Heston, Moses himself. Oh, oh, man. Well, I got to read it. I don't know if I did a good job, but the people that were all around me there as dawn was breaking and we saw the tops of the Sinai range, it was just breathtaking. It was beautiful. After I had done it, they clapped, but uh, I don't think they were clapping it that I really did a good job. And then it was the whole day just coming back down. But anyway, I got there. And, uh, and I got Moses' autograph, too. So uh, there he is. Uh, my grandkids get a kick out of that because I have that photo in my office here. And they go, wow, Grandpa, you saw and you knew Moses? And I just smiled. Now, as they're getting older, I think they're going to catch on, you know. But uh, it, it was just kind of fun. But I want you to notice something in the photo. I, I didn't quite catch it, but when I was looking at it, He's pointing, okay? Uh, the actor, Charlton Heston, who's playing Moses, he's pointing at the fourth commandment. And that's the one that we're going to be talking about uh, this evening. He's pointing at the fourth commandment, which was the commandment that God gave uh, to Israel dealing with the Sabbath, okay, or Shabbat. Now, there are some passages that I want to kind of lay out uh, for us to consider. If you have your Bibles, if you want to follow along with me, but uh, I'm going to read it because that will lay the biblical foundation for the uh, commandment that the Lord God gave uh, to Israel. The first one will be Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. 
And fear not, I'm, a, I'm not going to read it in Hebrew or anything like that. We'll read it in English here, okay? Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your strangers who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Okay, that's from Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. Then we look at Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12 through 15, and there's some more added information attached to the fourth commandment here. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you're your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your strangers who is within your gates, that your male servants and your female servants may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath, to keep the Sabbath. So, you know, you can see by what the Lord had said here that, uh, you know, this was very, very serious. Uh, and it was uh, uh, in Exodus chapter 31, verse 15, uh, God also prescribed a penalty for anyone who broke that Sabbath. And look what it says. Work shall be done for six days. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any, okay, who does any whatsoever, does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Oof, that's serious. That's serious. You know, just a side thought here. You know, there are many believers, sound believers too, who feel very strongly that uh, we should be, gathering for worship on the Sabbath, on Saturday. Um, and, you know, that's their prerogative to do that. And, of course, there is a, a denomination, the Seventh-day Adventist group, who practice this. And I kind of wondered, you know, I looked up uh, to see exactly how do they handle the death penalty? You know, obviously they do break the Sabbath. Uh, and so I, I was kind of curious to see what they would say, what they would, you know, what they say. Well, this is what I found. They found a way to get around it. They say it's not an issue with us because we don't keep the Sabbath in the way the Jews did or how they do today. I said, oh, okay. So in my mind, of course, that the Lord had said it specifically, but he didn't really mean it that way. So you could do what you want to do. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of strange, but that's how the thing, how it goes there. All right. Well, I just wanted to lay the biblical groundwork a little bit here in terms of understanding the Sabbath here. Now, for modern day Judaism, the observance of the Sabbath is a main feature in their religious practice. I mean, it is essential. It is the main thing more than any of the 
uh, traditions that they have uh, composed, and uh, the Sabbath is the key. Keeping the Sabbath, doing the Sabbath, whatever it is, the Sabbath is connected with everything that how they have their relationship with God now and also what it would mean also in the future as well. So it's a very, very serious uh, aspect in their uh, practice that they have. So what I want to do here is to kind of familiarize ourselves a little bit with their particular belief and attitude concerning the Sabbath. So that way you can appreciate, you know, the meaning that the Sabbath has for them. So we're going to go and look at some rabbinical sayings here. Uh, now, the fellow that you see there, uh, believe it or not, was a staff worker with the Friends of Israel uh, many years back. He wasn't Hasidic. He was Jew He was a Jewish believer, but uh, he was uh, stationed down here with me. And I do a lot of reenactments. I portray biblical characters, historical characters. I dress up. I do first-person impressions. And, you know, I try to do the show-and-tell type uh, preaching and teaching. And so when he was here, uh, you know, he knew of that. And so he sent me a picture of him, and that's him there. And I looked at it, and I had to admit, in terms of the reenacting and presenting show and tells, he definitely top gunned me with that one. I mean, that that's incredible. <laughs> so he sent me the photo, and I have it. So I'm going to use him as an example of the ultra-religious groups and to kind of for us to consider the uh, various attitudes of the Sabbath that they have. First one, what is the preview of the world to come, they say in their religious writings? And you know what it is? The Sabbath. The Sabbath. The Sabbath is the lynchpinch. It's everything to them. Here's another one. If this, if if Israel would properly observe a single Sabbath, the son of David or David, Mashiach, the Messiah, would come immediately. So they connect that with the coming of the Messiah if everybody kept the Sabbath. Now, according to the way they have so decreed how it's to be observed. Um, now, here's one that I've heard quite often, and I would imagine that that's what's being said today. I don't know if you've seen, some of you have seen some of these uh, 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 protests. I don't know if they're protests, but gatherings in various cities around the world, siding with the terrorist group Hamas, with the uh, action that had just taken place this week here. And uh, the ultra-Orthodox, as some of you may, may or may not be aware, uh, they're not Zionists. They don't. They don't recognize the modern state of Israel. They say it's a secular state, and only when the Messiah comes will Israel be uh, truly be established. So they argue that they would prefer to be under the rulership of the Palestinians, and uh, and it's sad to see them in the streets uh, siding with the uh, Palestinians and and then the uh, Hamas group, though they don't really connect the two, but it is one group there at times, many, many times, not all the time, but sometimes here. But this is what they say. If Israel should keep two Sabbaths strictly according to rule, no, it's the way they have set it up. And we're going to look at some of that stuff, okay, what they had added to the Sabbath. Uh, if you follow, they said, if you follow the rule, they would be, Israel would be delivered immediately. So what they're saying is that uh, what Israel can overcome the heart feel, the the the, uh, the, uh, the stuff that's going on right now. If they would keep the Sabbath, uh, two Sabbath in a row, according to the way they designed it, 
that would bring instantaneous deliverance immediately for them. But since they know that Israel will not do that, they kind of say that Israel deserves what they're getting right now. It's sad. It really is. But that's the attitude that they have. That's the attitude that they have. Now, there is this other interesting uh, statement that they say, and I want to click here so we can see some more. You might recall that Jesus had said that the Sabbath was made for man and that not man for the Sabbath, and that therefore the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath, which we find in Mark chapter 2, verse 27 and 28. Well, you know, Jesus was an individual in his time, and there were many uh, rabbinic leaders, or not rabbinic leaders, but rabbis and, uh, and, and leaders at that, religious leaders at the time that sided with the scriptures. So they, many agreed with Jesus what he said. And even sometimes Jesus would quote something that they have always quoted and it's recorded uh, in a different way in some places. But consider this. This is a statement that comes from them. The Sabbath was committed unto you, you know, talking to the people, not you unto the Sabbath. Sounds familiar? How about this one? The Sabbath was given to you, but you were not given to the Sabbath. So you see, you can find some interesting statements uh, on them there. Now, but consider this. In Jesus' day, the Pharisees continued imposing their man-made laws against the spirit of the law of God, uh, the Pharisees, okay? Many Pharisaic groups believe this. Not all of them were in tune uh, with the word of God, and or and many did not necessarily follow the the oral traditions, the added additions that were added to the Torah, to the Bible. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, you know, it, it was an issue when Jesus was here. And that's the conflict that you see, though. Okay. But this is what is interesting when it comes to the Sabbath. Uh, they came up with 39 general categories of prohibitions concerning the Sabbath. Now, you know, when you read the five books of Moses, you have the prohibitions that are listed there. But they added another 39 groups, categories uh, to that. So you could imagine the weight of keeping the Sabbath must have been like. Uh, to get a more detail of this, uh, you may want to check my lecture uh, that I had given Jesus Sermon on the Mount, which is found in the FOI uh, Equip Scholar series. Now, consider this. some of the categories are derived from the Bible, from the Torah, but most of them comes from the oral laws, those traditions that they pretty much made up. Now, there's a contention that they have. They said when Moses went up to Mount Sinai, in addition to receiving the written law, okay, that Moses also received the oral law. It wasn't written down, but he heard it, and then he passed it down to Joshua, and then and it just went on, down, on, down all the way down to the present-day rabbinical leaders today. And uh, those are the oral laws. Well, oral laws, you know, it, it's, it's subjective because it changes as time goes on. But you know the old thing, if you were all seated and you shared, whispered into somebody's ear something, and then they were to share that, by the time it got to the end, you know how it changes, right? Well, this is similar like what had happened here. They held to the oral laws and um, and... Those oral laws are compiled in a book or books called the Talmud, the learnings. And the Talmud becomes or is the basis of 
of religious practice uh, for many Jewish people today. Hey, Peter, I think you're you're muted. That happened. Oh, I was muted. Was I muted all that time? You know, I said some very profound things and I can't remember what I said. No, just just 30 <laughs> seconds worth. <laughs> OK, well, let's read the 39. I'm going to share those 39 Sabbath categories that have been formulated by the Pharisees. And these are the ones that Jesus would have been uh, confronted with here. Look what they say that one is not to do. Carrying, burning, extinguishing, finishing, writing, erasing, cooking, washing, sewing, tearing, knotting, untying, sharpening, plowing, planting, reaping, harvesting, threshing, willowing, selecting, sifting, grinding, making bread, uh, combining, spinning, dyeing, chain stitching, Warping, weaving, unraveling, building, demolishing, trapping, shearing, slaughtering, skinning, tanning, smoothing, and marking. Hmm. Got that? That's the law. That's what they expected everyone to follow. Okay, that was to be. Hey, oh, it gets even more interesting. In turn, these 39 categories here, okay, are subdivided into 39 classes. So they, they're usually referred to as offsprings, making a total of 39 times 39, which is 1,521 Sabbath laws. How do you like that? Now, that comes from a book, The Gospel in the Feast of Israel by Victor Buxbazen, who is the founder of Friends of Israel. So if you're interested, you could you know look that up and see that for yourself. So imagine. Now, Consider one of the many Sabbath controversies that uh, Jesus had with the Pharisees, okay? Uh, this will kind of help you when you learn, when you kind of understand these things from the Jewish mannerism and customs and, and all these sort of things, you could then appreciate the drama when and the narration when you're reading the Gospels and Jesus is interacting with the religious leaders and the people and such. Uh, this was an occasion when the disciples... Uh, pluck some ears of wheat in the field. You might recall that uh, it's found in Matthew chapter 12, uh, Mark chapter 2, and Luke chapter 6. Uh, the Luke chapter 6 passage goes, Now it happened in the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the wheat fields, and his disciples plucked the heads of wheat and ate them, rubbing them in their hands. And some of the Pharisees said to them, why are you doing? Why is what is not? Isn't it not lawful to do this on the Sabbath? All right. Uh, so what was their problem? Okay, what did they get bent out of shape? Was okay. Well, consider this: when the disciples took the wheat off, uh, you know, when they took the wheat off the stalk, okay, uh, they were guilty of reaping. Okay, when they started to rub, okay, the wheat in their hands. To separate the wheat from the shaft, so you don't eat the, you know, the shaft, they were guilty of threshing. And then when they blew in their hands, they had to, you know, or shook it out or whatever, the shaft away so they could eat it, they were then guilty of willowing. Yeah? So that's what got 
the Pharisees all bent out of shape when they saw the disciples doing this because they were violating these part of these 39 categories that they have made up, that they put in there. Now, when you read the context, how Jesus, you know, responds and said, well, hey, what about King David when he ate, you know, the bread that was only designed for the priest and, and so on? So he, 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 he responded back to them. He refuted their argument. But this is a classic example of how these laws were created and had put it a burden, a bondage on the people. Uh, at this time there. It was just 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 awful what they had done there at that time there. All right. Now, even the the, the rabbis, okay, even the rabbis uh, in that time found that these categories was just ridiculous, you know. They they were just it was just too much. Uh, and so some had made statements and it's recorded in the Talmud. And here's one that's uh that has come up. It says this, uh, uh, let's see. The laws concerning the Sabbath, the festive offerings, and the acts of trespasses uh, are a mountain of hanging by a hair, but they have little scriptural basis for many laws. So they knew, you know, many of them knew that there was no biblical basis for these categories that they had into the Sabbath. However, some had to follow it. But they found it very burdensome all the time as well. Then consider this. Consider this problem that the rabbinics had at that time, and some even today, if they're you know following all these traditionalism. He, Messiah, would not arrive on the Sabbath. And you would say, why? Well, since that would require people to violate the Sabbath in welcoming him. What? You see that? I mean, that's how high and so much emphasis they put on the Sabbath that they said, you know, the Messiah is not going to come on a Sunday because, oh, he would, you know, he better not come because he, people will then, you know, be welcoming him, but they will be in violation of the law. That's man-made laws that are put in it. That's the Sabbath law. That's the problems that have come. Okay. All right. Uh, if you have any questions about that, we'll try to answer them the best that we can here. But let's move on here. The study of the Sabbath and dealing with the ceremony itself. OK, the ceremony itself. I know many of you perhaps are familiar with the ceremony. Uh, they differ in people's homes. They're not always done the same as such. But uh, I think I'll share some here so that way you can appreciate a little bit. OK, well, first of all, it is customary to greet the folks that come to the home with Shabbat, Shalom, which means good Sabbath, okay, either way, that way. And then before sundown on Friday, it's the lady of the house, she does three things, okay? The first thing is she covers her head with a headscarf, and then she lights the candles, and then with her eyes closed or just kind of covered with her hands, she waves her hand then over the candles, and she recites the blessings that are associated with the lighting of the candles at that time uh and you can see the blessing there that's all laid out let me just read it for you here blessed are you god ruler of the universe who sanctified us with the commandments of lighting shabbat candles now you know some have asked why is that the role of the lady of the house why does she light the candles well there's much to it but you know the, the, the Jewish thinking is that they recognized that the promise of the Messiah would come through the seed of the woman, right? In Genesis, uh, 
And so they recognize that this world is encased in a spiritual darkness and even the spiritual darkness in the human soul. And so it is the lady that that the Messiah will come. And so this is one of the early prophets, prophetic utterances, which will be amplified and set up more explicit in detail that the Messiah will be born of a lady one day, of a woman, and who would be the light of the world, who would pierce the darkness of the, not only of the world, but of the human heart. So it is her role to light the candles. So you can see the early messianic anticipation in the observance of the of the uh, of the uh, of, of the Sabbath, and then they would say the Shema. Some of you probably are familiar with this prayer. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. Uh, it's very popular. It wasn't always, but it kind of came into play, and uh, it means to hear. Uh, the word, the Hebrew word there is not only to hear, but to act upon what you hear. So it's it's kind of combined together and it's recited usually at this time. And then in some homes, not in all homes, but in some homes, it is customary for the folks to stand and then to face toward Jerusalem, toward the east, toward Jerusalem. And then some would read some portions of a uh, of a very old rabbinical prayer called the Amidah, which means the standing. That's what Amidah means. And they would recite, they won't say all the all the prayers there because they're quite lengthy, but they would recite probably the top three, which is the oldest of the uh, 19 uh, and sometimes 18 prayers of the Amidah. They would say that. And then the next would be the blessing over the wine and the two challah breads, so loaves that are there. Uh, some of you might know what challah is, but for those who don't, it's a special braided bread. Uh, it was basically, uh, its origin was from Eastern European Jewry. They refer to it as the Ashkenazis. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a nice bread. It's a good, tasty bread. And the bread's usually wrapped up in a really nice decorative kind of covering. Okay, so the wine and the challah bread is present at this time here. And then uh, there could be more other traditions, but then normally dinner is served at this time. Okay, so everybody's having a good time. They're eating. And then it's customary to sing. They would sing hymns. Uh, it's, uh, it's common. People, they, they would just sing tunes that they're familiar with, or some will sing a solo. Uh, but it's customary to sing festive hymns. And then the Shabbats, or the Sabbath ends on Saturday evening with a scented uh, a scented candle called the Havidah or the Havdalah, which means separation. And what it is, it signifies that the separation of the sacredness of the of the of the Sabbath, and then the profanate or the profane of the week that is going to come. So they're just kind of acknowledging the separation of the two, so that way they uh, keep that apart from each other here. Uh, there's a, another thought here that's often presented on a Shabbat me a Sabbath meal, and that is Psalm 92, which is sometimes uh, read altogether. And uh, the Psalm 92 was the psalm that the Levites would sing on the Sabbath, okay? They would have a certain hymn that they would sing each day of the week as they stood on the semicircular steps, uh, the 15 steps there of the temple, and they had their psalms that they would sing. And Psalm 92 was the Sabbath song that they would sing at that time. 
uh, one commentator said that this psalm is the, was designed to bring Sabbath thoughts, uh, pleasant thoughts. So when you read the psalm, uh, you come up with uh, all kinds of pleasant things that you're supposed to meditate. And it gave uh, a sense of a conversation uh, during the meal here. Uh, look what it says here as it starts. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Yes, why? And then, of course, there's discussion. To sing praises to the Most High. And there's where the songs and the hymns will come in. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening. Um, and then there's, you know, that interesting verse here where it talks about that they would, uh, that they look forward to uh, uh, the, the singing and the, and, the, and the chanting and the praise of the Lord to the accompaniment of a 10 string harp and the melody of the lyre the 10 string harp you might be surprised that you know the 10 string harp is very significant you know they have the six they have the seven the five string but the 10 string harp uh that because it's connected with the sabbath of all sabbath the orthodox saw or they would say that you know there's 10 strings because there's 10 commandments that was given and the world the present world as we have it here and know it was created by God uttering 10 words, you know, 10 utterances created the world. And so 10. And so they say that the number 10 has the idea of completion, has the idea of, of uh, completion and, and purpose. And, uh, and so they view that the world to come, the messianic kingdom to come uh, will be the Sabbath of all Sabbaths. And the harps that will be sung, used, along with other instruments, and the songs that will be sung will have 10 strings. So, you know, you can see why Psalm 92 is definitely the Sabbath song of that time of that era there. All right. Now, it is good at the end to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to high. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening. Well, and thinking about, you know, what has happened this week here, I, you know, it, it, it kind of moves everybody who loves Israel, recognizes the Lord and his plan and his design and his love for the people of Israel. Uh, I know for me and I know probably others, too, uh, it was hard to concentrate on things that I was studying, books that I was reading. All I kept thinking about what was happening over there and, and the people that were suffering our colleagues that are ministering over there and are serving. It, it is hard. Uh, and there's so many verses that we probably all could go to and just feel some comfort in prayer. But I guess one that I think we're all familiar with, Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep, right? We always want to remember that. And then, of course, the more popular one, Sha'alu, Shalom, Yarushalayim, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we know no true peace or lasting peace will ever come to that region until the Prince of Peace, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus himself, comes back. Uh, so we know that. We know that as such. And so at the close of a, of the Sabbath meal, it is customary for everybody to say to one another in Hebrew, Shavuot Tov or Shavuot Tov, have a good week. And so in the will of the Lord, consider this in our time that we come together next week we'll talk about did jesus violate the sabbath we mentioned a little bit about that but we'll deal with some more 
What about us believers, Christians? Should we observe the Sabbath? And why do we meet on a Sunday? You know, uh, and then, of course, we want to consider the biblical understanding of rest, because that seems to be the undergirding aspect of the Sabbath, a time of rest. Thank you for listening to our FOI Equip podcast. Again, I want to remind you to go to foiequip.org and sign up to be on our mailing list. We'd love to see you at one of our free live online FOI Equip classes. Also, be sure to listen to our other podcasts like the Jew and Gentile podcast hosted by yours truly and Steve Herzig. Also, the Gesher podcast hosted by Ty Perry. You can find out more ways to get involved with the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry by visiting foiequip.org. FOI Equip is an outreach of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide evangelical ministry proclaiming biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while bringing physical and spiritual comfort to the Jewish people. Hey, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you soon.